When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Security. Nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, August 28th, 2023. Hope everyone had a safe weekend. Welcome back to Nothing Personal with David Sampson, where Matthew Koch and I will spend 45 minutes with you every day. And we're starting with security today. As president of a Major League Baseball team, there are many things that we have to keep in the air. It's like spinning plates. The most important plate that you cannot let drop. It's not wins and losses. It's not contract negotiations. It's not manipulating service time. The most important thing that you need to be doing when you're running a company where you are inviting thousands, insert joke here, anywhere from 5,000 to 40,000 to 80,000 people to a party that you are throwing, security is the number one issue. At the end of every game of the thousands of games that I attended, the sigh of relief when the last person was out of the ballpark was palpable. Every day, that feeling never went away. 18 years, that feeling never went away, and it's getting worse and worse now. This weekend, you may have read about several issues that are taking place, and we're going to break them all down, and we're going to start with the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox have gotten a lot of our attention recently. The changes they made in the front office, the issues that they're having on the field, off the field, relocation, not relocation, stadiums, firings. But what happened inside their ballpark this weekend, two women were shot. Now we don't exactly know, was there a gun inside the ballpark? Did someone shoot from the parking lot and shot up in the air, it came down? The investigations are continuing, but the underlying issue is what I'm here to discuss. And the underlying issue is not going back to last year or the year before when we talk about guns and gun control, Second Amendment, we're not trying to take guns out of your hands, we're trying to take illegal guns out of your hands, but the guns were bought legally, therefore what are you gonna do? But there are mental health issues. I'm not discussing that. When you open your ballpark, your job is to protect your spectators. What do you do when you cannot protect them? The answer is that's an unacceptable statement of fact. If we find out that guns were shot from the parking lot, from surrounding neighborhoods, if we found out the guns were shot from inside, I'm not gonna draw a distinction. While we have metal detectors that have been mandatory in baseball for about eight years, everybody, including players, including the president of the team, the owner of the team, I don't care who you are, when you enter a ballpark, you're going through a metal detector. 
Can you get a gun through a medical detector? John Malkovich did. His character did. Don't call me, John, unless you want to be on the show. The people monitoring the metal detector, it's the same as the people who are monitoring when you've got a name and a face of someone who's not invited into your ballpark because they didn't behave or they were drunk or they were arrested and they put their, we, we would print pictures of people, do not allow. And you wonder why James Dolan does facial recognition? Because it is impossible for a human being, no matter how many people you put at entrances to make sure that nothing slips by. But metal detectors, they're a factor. Parking lots, surrounding areas of the stadium. There are security, both that the team hires and that are actual police people, off-duty, getting paid time and a half to patrol around your ballpark and inside your ballpark. The police love that gig because they're being paid time and a half and their job is to keep people safe as they go from their car, which is what we would say to our customer service people, from the minute a fan gets in their car until the minute they get home again, I want to take responsibility for that fan experience. I want our radio station to have traffic updates. I want our radio station to talk about the game. Then when they get to the park, I want the experience from when they park to getting into the ballpark, to getting into their seat, to getting concessions, to watching the game, win or lose, to the egress, getting out. I want all of that controlled as much as possible because that's how you get repeat customers. Sometimes they say your team stinks, I'm never gonna come back. But I found both with focus groups, both with surveys, that the actual result of the game has a smaller correlation to the likelihood of returning than the other experiences that we do control. The only thing in a game that I never was able to control, forget low payrolls, it doesn't matter. What you don't control is the outcome of the game. So what do we do for security? What do we do to keep people safe? Yes, we've got patrollers, we have people walking, we have dogs, we have people in cars. How far a perimeter do you have at your ballpark? It depends on the location of your stadium, but there are stadiums where the perimeter is right up close to the doors, and then after 9-11 it got expanded and then expanded again, but sometimes you're within a city street, and how many streets do you close? When you go to ballparks around the country, it's changed. What's available for car traffic, what's not? What are the barriers to entry? When do only ticketed people get a chance to come in? And we've gotten lackadaisical about that, why? Because what ballparks are doing is having opportunities for you to spend money before you get inside the building. And they want as many people as possible spending money outside the building because then people will come a la what the Milwaukee Bucks have during playoff games, a la what Taylor Swift has at every game, the Cubs on Waveland Avenue, the Red Sox. You want people around because they're engaging with your product and they're spending their money. And so one of the things that we talk about is you move the perimeter back, you can put barriers, you can put metal detectors, but you don't have to be ticketed. But then you are increasing the cost. And who's gonna bear the brunt of that increase? And I'm not going John Angelos on you. I'm not saying that that's why ticket prices have to be raised. But I am telling you that when teams do their budgets or when stadium operators do their budgets, 
they are going to pay for the least amount of security possible while trying to have the most amount of security paid for by the municipalities. If you look around at the cost to cities and counties and sometimes states for events that take place, you'd be shocked at what is contained in budgets in order to help with security and safety. And even that is not enough to make everyone feel safe. That's the nightmare of what happened in Chicago is that the commissioner of baseball and all of the other teams have to answer to their fans, have to answer to government officials as they figure out what more they could do, what didn't they do that they could do. And I don't want to impugn the companies who do security, contemporary services company, CSC, you may see their windbreakers. There's all sorts of companies. Do you know how those people get the windbreakers? I'm inviting letters and I'm good with that. But you know exactly how you train your people. You know exactly how you pay your game day employees. These are not people who are fully trained in security. The people in windbreakers who are standing in front of a stage or standing by the, by the, uh, at the end of the row so you can't access the field or in a concert they're in front of the stage or they're in the pit. Why don't you go ahead and ask whether they're game day employees and what their training exactly was in order to be a member of security. They count on uniform personnel to take care of real stuff. We actually caution our game day employees. When you see a fight in the stands, you make sure you call for the police. When you see someone running on the field, we don't want the Keystone cops running around and chasing people down. We've got police inside. Their job is to keep you secure and safe. So that's a professional ballpark. There can be memos written as there are every year telling teams what they have to do for security. And we get those memos. We got them every single year. Here's the new systems in place. We're gonna make it uniform across Major League Baseball. Here's what every club has to do. And then we go to an owner's meeting and say, hey, you're asking us to spend an extra $250,000 a year on security. We're gonna want that from the commissioner's office. Distribute that money that you're holding from national revenue and distribute it to us because we don't wanna impact our budget in that way. When baseball mandate certain things at ballparks, baseball pays. If you want to augment the minimum, you pay. Do you remember the whole net issue? Some teams had nets, no nets. Then there were nets over the dugout. Then they extended the nets. And this was all about litigation of people getting hit with foul balls and people getting hit with bats that were being let go, not enough pine tar. And then all of a sudden, Major League Baseball steps in and says, wait a minute, we need to make this uniform because when litigation happens, if we don't have a set policy in place, we are all opening ourselves up to judgments, to losing lawsuits. Now let's make it so there is a baseline where every team has to do a minimum. And if you wanna go above that, your cost. You wanna go to the minimum, our cost. When you're building your ballpark, you're putting in cameras. Major League Baseball is involved in where the cameras are. We wanted extra cameras at Marlins Park, not just for security, but also for money. 
We have cameras on everybody in Marlins Park. You get hit with a foul ball and claim that you deserve money and you're on your phone, you're not getting money. If you claim that you slipped on ice cream in the concourse, we've got a camera. We'll know whether there was ice cream. Does it help us and the police identify any bad actors that may be in a game? Yeah, secondary, but yes. Right now at guaranteed rate, they're going through footage. They're trying to figure out exactly what happened because Major League Baseball is gonna demand an answer. You cannot have a shooting while there's a Major League game going on and not have an answer or a follow-up. Follow-up, what do you do? The game continued. The players were out there saying, hey, if there had been a problem, I'm sure security would have alerted us and we would have gotten off the field. Not good enough. There will be a system in place as sad as it sounds, as pathetic as it sounds, it is necessary. There is going to have to be memos and systems about in-stadium shootings. You think that baseball doesn't look around and see what happened in, at the high school game in Oklahoma? We sit around and think about what a nightmare that is. If you don't know the story, there was a high school game in Oklahoma, Friday Night Lights. And all of a sudden, the broadcasters were saying, we don't understand what's going on. Players are running off the field. People are running everywhere. And then there's a guy and the announcer saying, get down. And the announcers are like, I think there's a shooting going on. There was an active shooter. A teenager died. Metal detectors mandatory at high school games? I guess it's time. We can't attack the guns. We can't get rid of the guns. So I guess let's make it a little harder for the shootings to happen. Not sure, maybe 10 more videos that go viral of players of your children, my children running off the field, hoping they don't get shot and then looking at people lying on the field. Perfect. Ah, let's wait till there's more. Mom, I just want to go to a game. I'm a sophomore in high school. It's a football game. I may get lucky, I'm gonna have fun. Wow, now that kid's dead. 16 years old, shot in the groin and then died. I'd like to understand exactly how it's gonna work going forward. And as you know, I take suggestions from listeners, from viewers, from COCA, from the commissioner, from anybody, politicians who I meet. I wanna learn because whatever it is that we're doing, it's not working. And it's having run a team. What could I have done differently? What should I have started back then that may be implemented now? What can I suggest to people with the platform that I have that can help make people feel safe again? Isn't that what we're looking for with our customers? You think that when you go on a ride at Disney World, Aren't you assuming that you're safe? You're not assuming the roller coaster is gonna fall off the track, are you? Because you assume that there's some governmental organization who's making sure when you get into an elevator, last inspection certificate in the lobby. I work under the assumption that the certificate is up to date and that the elevator is gonna work. If you didn't have those assumptions, you'd have a hard time leaving the house, wouldn't you? But what happens when those assumptions get rocked, when the very rebar of your existence is thrown into disarray and there's no answer? Believe me, answers are coming. So what we do is we look to politicians for answers. I like that. 
you're running for office, give me answers. Tell me what happened and what to do. There's a guy running for president, Ramaswamy. He's got answers because there was another shooting in Jacksonville over the weekend. An absolute, a mass shooting. This guy goes on CNN and he blames the media and the establishment and universities and politicians for throwing kerosene on racism. It was a white kid, the majority of mass murderers are, a KKK Nazi, black person hating, Jew hating I'm sure too, because of the swastikas, said, you know what? I'm gonna go shoot and kill black people today. And I guess what the politicians are saying is that the reason he did it is not that he's a white supremacist. The reason he did it is because there's a culture of racism right now that there's no racism, but for all the talk about it at your local university or on your TV station. Racism is being used by politicians as a sword to show division in the country so they can come in and save the day. So we're looking at our politicians and that's the direction they wanna go. We're a racialized culture with mental health deficiencies and that's what's to blame. Let's not talk about the fact that he had written a manifesto and he had an AR-15 don't talk about that because he got it legally. So we can't upset the gun lobby. We can't upset the Republicans. You can't have a Republican say, hey, we don't touch the guns. That's all they can say. But when an accident happens, which no one would call an accident, but an actual premeditated murder, it's way easier to say, oh, we gotta take care of mental health because otherwise people with AR-15s are fine. So this person running for president, and I don't need to say his name again, his platform is based on market research and the people in his campaign saying, this is the best way to get votes. We've got a constituency in our country that will nod in agreement with what you're saying. White supremacists love hearing there's no white supremacy. Huh. I have an idea. I know exactly what we can try. Why don't we, when we have elections, this is, this is amazing actually to think about. So we now know where this candidate stands. And when we look to see the number of votes he gets, can we assume or try to make certain issues one issue votes? You've heard of a one issue voter, right? People who are, I'm sorry to have said right. You've heard of a one issue voter. There are people who are Israel's that are one issue. If the candidate's pro-Israel, they're gonna vote for the candidate. If the candidate's anti-Israel and pro-Palestinian, they're gonna not vote for that candidate. Some people have taxes as their one issue. 
You raise taxes, I'm not voting for you. They may not read the small print, fine print. They may not realize what the actual impact to their W-2 will be, but don't bother me with facts. I can stand up on a political stage, on a debate stage and say, I will not raise your taxes. Smaller government, fewer taxes. Well, that's my issue. I'm voting for you. Guns. I want my guns. I don't care about any of the other issues. Well, you have the ability to go buy a gun. You get a background check. You buy a gun legally. I'm not a handgun. You can buy whatever gun you want, but an automatic rifle? Not sure. Oh, you want to hunt? All right, we're going to have a separate set of guns that are used for hunting. I'm not sure that I've ever seen anyone hunt with an AR-15, but I'm sure people listening will correct me because there must be things that need to be hunted with an AR-15. Fine. Happy to give you a permit for for those. My idea is, why don't we make an election? Just try this. All about one issue. Let's find out what would happen if everyone were as honest and upfront about what their platform was, and the platform was narrowed down to the one issue, the gun issue. Racism, white supremacy, mental health. Second Amendment. Then voters will actually vote on the one issue. And then we don't have to extrapolate from a focus group of 20 people. We don't have to take someone's word for it, what our country's about. We don't have to say, look at Florida, they elected DeSantis. That must mean that Floridians love all of DeSantis's policies. That's taking into account too many other issues, too many other candidates. Is it unrealistic to get you to vote on just one issue? Let's just see where we stand. If our country stands that we want to elect someone who doesn't want to take away your guns, who wants to make sure you can have automatic rifles, who doesn't really care about background checks, who is fine with all the shootings that are going on, who doesn't want to say that there's white supremacy or racism, why don't we at least find out what we're dealing with? It's like trying to treat a disease or trying to find a cure when you don't know what the disease is or try to follow a course of treatment when you don't exactly know what's wrong with you. Yeah, don't worry about the MRI, you're fine. You don't need it. Maybe you're saying I'm being unrealistic. I think it's possible you're right. On the other hand, what if we keep doing the same thing we're doing and now going to sports games, high school, college, pro, all the great talk about realignment, all the excitement of kids getting to play high school football and getting under the lights on Friday and seeing if they can become college players and signing days and then draft days, are you declaring, are you not? And all the things that we love on the field. What if it were all back in the COVID bubble and we get to the point where it's no longer cost effective to ever have fans in the stands? We can watch games on TV, you can stream them, cameras everywhere. Actors, performers on a stage with no audience. Permanent COVID. Is that where we're headed? For those of you who are looking at me or listening to me and saying, David, you've gone off the deep end. This will never happen. What you're saying cannot happen. I ask you this. The last time you went to a baseball game or a football game, Did it occur to you that you were in danger of being shot? When we come back, we're gonna review a documentary 
uh, that I thought I knew the story of, and it turns out I didn't know the whole story. It's called Depth v. Heard that dropped last week. And then we're going to talk about some stadium situations in both Milwaukee and Oakland. There's updates on both that will fascinate you in terms of how strategies are implemented to get what you want when you want the same thing. We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think there'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Hawaii, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for rating and reviewing and subscribing. Going to davidsampsonpodcast.com. I'm loving your questions. Loving all the merch that you're buying. We now have polos in case you have casual work days. Thank you, Coca. And still watching a movie every day. I watched the documentary, the limited series called Depp v. Heard. Johnny Depp, Amber Heard. You may remember, it wasn't more than a year ago or two years ago, I can't remember the exact date, when they filed defamation lawsuits against each other and it actually went to a jury in Virginia. And there were cameras in the courtroom and we were all following it like leeches, voyeurs, Johnny Depp, a abuser, violent, there's video, whether he was violent against a cabinet or violent against Amber Heard, whether Amber Heard made up that she was hit, whether Johnny Depp made up that he was hit. These are two people, goes through their story, how they met, their love story, and how it went wrong. And all I could think of during this documentary is that Johnny Depp and Amber Heard spent weeks of their lives, years of their lives, that they will never get back. People spent weeks of their lives going to the courtroom and dressing up as a pirate, Dread Pirate Roberts. Actually, it was Jack Sparrow, but dressing up as pirates, yelling at Amber Heard, giving her the finger, booing her while applauding Johnny Depp. The jury was told, ignore everything. Don't follow social media. They weren't sequestered. Don't read anything. It was the biggest story around. For those of you who have served on a jury, it is the most important thing you can do for your community, 
for your county and for your state. Because one day it could be you who wants a jury of your peers. And one day it's you who wants an opportunity to get a fair trial. And one day it's you who wants to be innocent until you're proven guilty, which is the exact genesis of our laws. So many examples have happened over the years and decades, if not centuries, where it's been reversed, where people are assumed guilty until they're proven innocent. And even when they're proven innocent, if the court of public opinion, and that's what it's called, the public opinion does not deserve a court. It is not a court. The whole cancel culture, a groundswell of public opinion that changes decision makers' minds, informs them what they should be doing by looking at a subset of reality. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard live in that dystopian world where everything is about social media. It's about who is on your side publicly. There was a winner in Depp v. Heard. I have not been able to figure out who the winner is. You watch this documentary, you learn a few things you didn't know at the time, and you'll turn it off and say, wow, a lot of losers in this story. For those who live in Milwaukee, you are not going to be a loser. Forget whether Giannis resigns or doesn't resign. You got a championship, that's pretty cool. Brewers have not, they are playing great. I think they've won like eight in a row. They're running away with the Central. They have a really good team. Maybe you can forgive the trading of Josh Hader now. Maybe it's possible they know what they're doing. We covered a story where the Brewers we're talking about the need for a stadium, the need to make sure that Miller Park is kept up to date, remains a first-class facility. And instead of leaking out that they're relocating or threatening to relocate, what was leaked out is that they are working closely with Republicans, Democrats, independents, governors, counties, cities, states. And they are trying to figure out, with time left in their current lease, how to come to a new agreement. When an owner is confronted with strategies about how to get what you want from the public, there is a playbook, the playbook that I played. I didn't write it, I played it, getting Marlins Park. I followed it. When something works, you do it. Don't need to reinvent the wheel. Need to make sure the wheel keeps rolling. My job was to make sure there were no sticks or stones or any sort of obstacles put in the way of the wheel moving. Sometimes it causes you to say things negative about your community, about your team, about the government. Sometimes it causes you to say things positively. The strategy is when to say which and how and who says it. Owners don't talk often. And when they do, it is incumbent upon us to listen. Because when owners choose to talk, you can read between the lines way easier than when presidents talk. We went through the entire Oakland situation. When Cavill spoke, we said one thing. When Fisher spoke, we said another. Mark Antonazio was selected by Bud Selig to take over Bud's team, the Brewers. Bud's love for Milwaukee and the Brewers is second to none. 
He brought the Brewers to Milwaukee from Seattle in 69. He would choose Milwaukee as his place, his home. The damn commissioner's office was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Well, strike that. He was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in a satellite commissioner's office while the commissioner's office and all the people who worked for him were in New York. He loved Milwaukee so much that when he'd go on trips, he'd want to get back to Milwaukee the same night. Doesn't like spending nights in other beds. I love that. I love Milwaukee. Mark met the media and said, Debbie, his wife, terrific. Our family, we very much want to stay. And that's all I've considered at this point, he told reporters. His goal is to keep the team in Milwaukee for another generation whether the lease goes through 2030 or through 2050. And he led with that before going public as part of the same interview that, hey, there's work to be done. We must get the renovations. Our situation is not like Oakland, he continued to say, but we've got to plan so it doesn't become Oakland. Oakland Coliseum did not become in disrepair overnight. This has been a multi-decade, four, six, nine. This has become a multi-decade run to the bottom for the Coliseum in Oakland. Owners don't want that because with that, you get decreased revenue. So getting ahead of it the way he is and then choosing to do it by saying this is not about leaving Milwaukee doesn't take away his leverage today because you can go to that later. When you threaten relocation, you don't need to do it with five, six, 10 years left on a lease. You do it when you're right up against the wall. Not when there's no more moves left, because then it's too late, but you don't lead with it. He is completely optimistic that a deal is going to be done. He actually said it, I'm optimistic. We have very good chemistry with the politicians in terms of having a shared goal. And the goal is to keep the team here for another generation. Hell yeah, Mark. This is being played perfectly because by giving that message point that there's a good chemistry, we have a shared goal. If a deal doesn't happen and you have to go scorched earth, you get to do a call back to today's media avail that you did or yesterday's or Friday's, whenever it was. And you get to say, our goals are no longer shared. The group that we had negotiating, the people we had working together, all of a sudden were unable to work together any further. Therefore, I'm announcing today that we have asked baseball to seek relocation and to find out whether there is another community that would want our baseball team. But that's not today. And guess what, Brewers fans? It's not even tomorrow. Because you don't want to get to where Oakland is. Every day there's a new story about Oakland. John Fisher gave his powder puff interviews last week. The mayor has fired a shot across the bow of the Oakland A's and of Major League Baseball. Mayor Tao came out and she said, hey, listen, you guys need a place to play. Your lease is done after this season. 
you will not have a new ballpark at all. Your relocation application is not complete until you have a new place to play. You must have a deal somewhere because no one's come to us. And if you've got a completed application, you must have a completed deal somewhere. And then the A's came out and said, actually, we don't. We're gonna be working with baseball on that. So the mayor of Oakland came out and said, you wanna keep playing in Oakland? You announced your schedule already for next year. You're obviously thinking you're playing in Oakland next year. Hmm, are you gonna play it where the Giants play in Shara Stadium? I'm sure the Giants are gonna really love that. How are you gonna make the Giants whole? The Giants as an organization are the king of make me whole. They led the charge against a smaller schedule, a shortened schedule. They did not want four home games taken away, moving from 162 to 154 for the regular season, therefore losing four home games, four road games. San Francisco was a no vote because they demanded full payment from baseball to make up for the losses and assumed that all corporate sponsors would only pay 77, 81st of their contract. They would lose four 81st of their hot dogs, et cetera. Think the Giants are willing to give up on non-game day revenue? Only if they're paid. You think Oakland's gonna pay? Don't worry, they'll play in Las Vegas at the AAA ballpark. Nope, unions don't allow that. You can't play a full season at a AAA ballpark. You have to have a major league facility, but don't worry, Vegas during the summer, you do not need a roof, it's totally fine. The players will be fine, it's like pro player. Players love playing a pro player. No issue with that at all. You didn't need a roof in Miami. Who said that? I guess back to the Coliseum, except the mayor said, you know what? You want to extend the lease? Let me tell you, if the Oakland A's ever move, we're keeping the name the A's. You got to rename your team, rename them the Gamblers, rename them the Strips, rename them the Nine Acres, but you can't take the name. Secondly, you're going to expand we're at the top of the list. You give us an expansion team. I like the play by the mayor in Oakland. I tweeted over the weekend that I didn't like the public nature of it. And I understand some of your responses where you feel as though they have no choice but to be public. But the most effective negotiating, this goes for potential owners, potential partners, potential communities, the best and most effective way to get inside baseball is not through the media. As a matter of fact, there's an advantage to being silent publicly. There's an advantage to negotiating and talking to Rob Manford and other owners and not being out front. Hey, I want to own a team. You know how many people have tried that and they don't win? They don't get a team? That's why I think the Oakland mayor should be doing this quietly. Well, I understand she may not get the audience she wants. There are ways to get information to people. You don't have to do it with public records. There are Paul Revere type people everywhere who can get messages to people everywhere. Milwaukee will never get to where Oakland is. Oakland is where it is and they won't be there for long. Changes will be coming. I am still not willing to tell you that after all is said and done that the Vegas deal is done. No matter what you read from John Fisher, no matter what you hear from Rob, no matter what you hear from Oakland, I continue to say I'll believe it when I see it. We had an undefeated weekend on our Nothing Personal Pick of the Day. 
brought to you by Metalark. Hello? Anyone there? Nothing personal pick of the day. I can't imagine you'd want to sponsor that. No, I'll try to think of a company. We had the Brewers over the Padres on Friday. That's an easy one. Could have taken the Brewers all weekend. Padres got swept. Padres are finished. Can you believe the Padres had the same record as the Nationals? I truly cannot believe that. So we won Friday, and then it was such an easy game Saturday. I'm sorry. I don't. I mean, sometimes you you fade me, but you shouldn't have. When we had the Rays over the Yankees and Tyler Glasnow, the Yankees can have team meetings, team meetings till they're blue in the face. They can call up all their young, overhyped prospects all they want. And the bottom line is, the Rays are a better team. So we're one eighteen and one sixteen. Big series. I mean, everything's big. We're heading into September. The end of this week is September already. This is it. We're going to take the Padres over the Cardinals tonight, and you're going to think it's strange because I rarely take the Padres. Blake Snell has been terrific. By the way, correction. I don't mind corrections. Let me finish the pick of the day. You're right, Coco. Sorry. Finish a thought, David. All right. We're taking the Padres over the Cards. Snell over Wainwright. Wainwright is on fumes at best. Snell's been one of the best pitchers. The Padres, as bad as they are, as many changes as have to be made, as firings are going to happen, they'll find a way to beat the Cardinals. So while the Padres are finished, Wainwright's finished, we're going Padres. But now I, you had me finish the pick of the day, and now I totally forgot what else I was going to mention. That's why I like to go to what's in my head, Matt, because I totally lost track. All right, where are we? Milwaukee. Nope. Nope. Hold on. Wait for Ah. Spain. We got to finish the show talking about this. Are you paying attention to what's going on in Spain? We touched on it last week and there have been significant changes since then, so we want to bring this back up just so you're informed. Remember the women's team, the Spanish women's team won the World Cup during the course of the celebration, the president of Spain soccer, Luis Rubiales, he kissed Jenny Hermoso on the lips and it became a thing. He was then going to resign. He goes to the podium to resign and he goes full Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. A deal is done and he's looking out at his people, he's looking out at his mother, his family, his supporters, and in the middle of the press conference where he's going to resign, he says, you know what? I changed my mind. I can't imitate Leonardo DiCaprio, but I could try. Remember when he put his teeth up and his lips? If you're watching this on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, he sort of went like this, went crazy, and then changed his mind. I'm never leaving. They're gonna have to drag me away. And guess what? Jordan Belfort was dragged away. So the Spain soccer president, Rubiales, resigned, said he wouldn't resign. His mother is currently doing a hunger strike because she's so angry and upset of the way he's been treated. Meanwhile, Jenny Hermoso is being slandered, libeled, dragged through it, pressured. disgustingly pressured. She actually released a statement 
where she denied two things. One, that this guy, Rubiales, who's now claiming, hey, it was consensual. When you're congratulating someone, did he stop pre-kiss and say, excuse me, can I kiss you on the lips? Thank you. Do you ever do that? Hi, would you, you should do that. Would you mind if I kiss you hello on the cheek? Generally, when you don't know someone well enough, you extend your hand, sometimes your fist, sometimes you bow. But going in for a lip kiss, there's no time for consent about that. But they are pressuring her. They're pressuring her to say that she consented. She had to release a statement saying that no one should be the victim of this type of non-consensual behavior. She said, I felt vulnerable and the victim of aggression, an impulsive sexist act, which was out of place and with no consent on my behalf. While accusing the Football Federation of pressuring her to both excuse and justify his actions. Why is this the hill that they're choosing to die on? And believe me, it's quite a hill. There are threats going on. What's gonna, the men's soccer teams are getting involved. I wonder whether or not we're gonna see a change in Spain, a change in UEFA, whether or not it ends with a new president in, for the Spanish Federation. And then I got to thinking of what we would be doing here in America and whether or not that's different than what they would do in Europe or in Spain, where people stand on cancel, where people stand on inappropriate touch, inappropriate behavior. What is the inflection point when you've gone too far, done too much? Each community is supposed to decide each culture, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, hiding behind cultural norms, hiding behind fake consent, hiding behind post-action explanations. If you need to take a microphone and explain that what you did was right, then the odds are it wasn't. And this is not me saying that I don't believe in innocence until proven guilty, because you know I do. That was the beginning of the show. But when there is something so black and white, there is no investigation or discussion needed. He did something physically inappropriate to her. The only reason he's arguing consent it's like a back injury to go on the IL in baseball. Can't really prove it, but we can say it and no one will say anything back. The problem is in this scenario, people are not letting it go. His mother can hunger strike all she wants. There is only one way that this ends. Wait to see is when I tell you something's gonna happen. If it does, I'll revisit it. If it doesn't, I'll revisit it. Spain's soccer president will not return as the president of the Federation, period. He's finished and he should be, and people there should be ashamed. We'll be back tomorrow. It's just business. This 
is nothing personal.